0: by the Saints for a touchdown! each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60 to practice to the sideline to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! taste of TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again! And guess who? Mike Thomas! Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. I'm Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. We are coming at you with some more Sean Payton Watch news, and I think that'll be a pretty hot-button topic for most of our off offseason. Well, not maybe most of our offseason. But like on this early going, I feel like, Jeff, we're going to be stuck in this Peyton watch constant bubble. Panda watch. It's Sean Peyton watch
1: day 32 or I don't know. But yeah, it's it's just going to be like, oh, who said this? Who said that? Blah, 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 blah. But yeah, we're going to keep updating it until we don't have to update it anymore because either he said he doesn't want to coach or someone said they want to pay him and then they trade for him. But yeah, so we're going to get into that. The latest, you know, one team that, should, I don't know what took them so long. We're going to get into that. They scheduled an interview, second interview, whatever. We're going to get into that. And then the second segment, we're going to talk about Pete Carmichael and why the heck he's still around. I also want to talk about some Rashid Shahid stats since I have them and I want to break them down. And then the final segment, we're going to get into a quiz session of how many former Saints and former LSU and former Louisiana football players are going to be active in the AFC and a- NFC championship games. There's a lot of them. But first, yes, Sean Payton. There's two new developments that happen today. The first, which was re- reported by Jeff Duncan over at Noah.com, Times picayune is the Denver Broncos have scheduled a second interview with Sean Payton and it really does feel like the Denver Broncos are the front runner. It makes the most sense. They have the quarterback. they have the right combination of assets to send like a reasonable a pick in a reasonable range. You know, a team that's not going to suddenly reverse course and go from all in to not all in. Right. So like they're going to want to make a home run higher. It makes sense. So they're getting their second interview. But the one that was surprising is the Arizona Cardinals, who have had permission to interview Sean Payton this whole time, but waited until now. But they have scheduled an interview. I think a lot of people thought that maybe they weren't interested because they went and hired their GM which you would think, oh, they'd want to wait until they interview Sean to see how he feels about it and what they should look for in a GM if they were serious about hiring him. But they went and they hired a GM first. So it's kind of interesting how that all developed.
0: Yeah, because I know one of the things people speculated too about adding Sean Payton, would you also be adding a GM of his kind of choosing? And I know once it seemed like the Cardinals went with in their own direction kind of thing. You could say it felt like they were suddenly out of the running, but it still makes sense to me for them to want him. I'm just still not sure about how much Sean wants to be in Arizona with that. The the roster doesn't scream really much to me. Yeah, it's
1: a calculated gamble, I think, for the Cardinals in that it's Monty, Austin, Fort. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but so I think it's interesting because, yes, any team that's trying to trade for Sean Payton, that GM head coach relationship is going to be very important. Like he's not just going to go to a team that he does not feel comfortable with the GM and the ownership. And so that's why you would think, Oh, they'd want to kind of figure out what he's looking for before they went and hired a GM. But I think what they're them hiring Monty tells you is they're still interested in Sean, but they're interested in Sean on their terms. If Sean and Monty are kismet, if they, they hit it off and like, it makes sense. Oh, that's great! But I think what they're them hiring him first is an indicator that they're not just going to let Sean Payton pick his own boss. It's like we're going to pick the GM, and if this if this jives, great. If not, we'll move on. And so I think that's why they waited. And I understand why they did that because if you kind of hire Sean Payton's like handpicked choice at GM, and then he says no, then you just look like weak, and you don't look like you have any plan. So I think that they're doing it the right way. I think that's the correct approach. But it does mean that, you know, that that interview with the Cardinals has a lot more weight on it than any other interview because that's a complete wild card in the sense that Sean, I have no idea whether Sean and Monty Austin for I don't know anything about Monty Austin for it. I didn't that. It was completely out of my out of my trajectory. But
0: um we'll see how that goes. What's interesting too is like obviously we're following everything going on with sean payton and whichever visit he has you know lined up next kind of thing but we haven't and we've heard some stuff some rumblings with defensive coordinators obviously being interviewed but there's been nobody coming after kai harley there's been no one coming after jeff ireland which is a little odd
1: yeah i mean it's this we're still kind of early on in this process right like i think you could see them getting some interest in gm interviews and and whatnot and i i've often seen that like GM candidate interviews are not as widely reported on. You know what I mean? Like the head coach is a front-facing position. So like every time they someone gets interviewed, it's big news and blah, blah, blah. But like the GM, like like did you hear about Monty Austin for getting interviewed? I did hear about
0: Arizona going through their process, but I don't know if necessarily I remember his name. Well, right. Like it's just not a name that's going to make waves. Right. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like
1: I think it's, it's possible that you end up Hearing stuff kind of developing down the road, but there there's also a situation where it's like these are names that we know, but maybe they're just not resonating. Like Kai Harley, everyone wants to say, "Oh, that he's going to get stolen away for a GM job." I don't think that he's going to be the top of that list. Like he's not a player development guy. He's not a player like evaluation guy. He is strictly a dollars and cents G like 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 candidate. Right. So like i I don't I don't know how attractive that is when you're suddenly having this person make major personnel decisions. That's why I think Jeff Ireland is the one who would be the the top candidate, um, in my opinion, but we'll we'll see. But either way, so that's Sean. He's going to an interview with the Cardinals. He's gonna have a second interview with the Broncos, and he finished his interview process with the Panthers. It was slightly delayed because of the death of, I think, Anton Wakes, his name, Anton Walks, Carolina FC soccer player, which is owned by David Tepper as well. And then Houston, who looks like they're kind of zeroing in on D'Amico Ryans. So that, you know, if I was ranking the likelihood of where Sean would land, I would start with Denver, then I would go Arizona, Carolina,
0: and then Houston. Denver has to be, I I feel like, number one, just for the you know you mentioned that the right fit at quarterback you have a a superior defense already on the team I feel like you're in a tough division but there's a lot of pieces in place obviously for Sean coming in including uh the trade assets as as well you know a late first rounder and then you could work in maybe you know a third or something else and something else that's that's another thing how much how much compensation are you going to get with Sean with that late round pick? You know, it's we know a, a mid to late round first. That's definitely been established. But what else? It's that's not just going to be the, the haul you get coming back for him.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's that like the Denver route is the simplest in that you know they have a first round pick that you that you're pretty confident they would just fork over. Yeah. Whereas definitely. the Cardinals are not gonna fork over the number three, nope. the Panthers are not gonna fork over the number nine. So that kind of limits That's what you can little... do. You might be able to get a second rounder or a future
0: first, but it's, you know, it makes it tougher. I feel like if you're the Saints and you are sending them to Carolina, though, you're like, you better damn straight. I'm getting that ninth overall pick. If you're getting Sean Payton for the next however many years and I got to see his ass, I'm getting that ninth overall pick this year for sure. Yeah. What if they're the only team out th- at the table? That then it's like the that show Shark Tank, you know. It depends on you know how that feeding frenzy for Sean is going, I guess, and where the bidding is. You're 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 right there, but I gotta imagine that. I feel like too, like Arizona, uh, Houston's kind of taking a back burner. We'll see what happens with the interview in uh, Arizona. Denver's clearly aggressive enough to want to see him again, kind of thing to maybe seal the deal. I guess you would look at that second visit as kind of, you know, dot and I's, cross and T's. I like you, you like me, you know, are, are we ready to do this kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I think- mean, I, I guess that Carolina, it, you know, I, I see that as unlikely, but at the same time, it's like, if, if that's the only place you can end up, if that's the only team there, you know, I think you're settling for a reasonable package, but like, you know, second rounders, maybe a future first. I just don't see that team giving up the number nine this year. Whereas they might, they might bank ahead and say, well, next year is not going to be that good. So we're, we'll trade it and blah, blah, blah. So I think that's more what you're looking at. But I think like Houston would have been the target where it's like, oh, maybe you can get the 12. But again, I just, I, I think D'Amico Ryans is the guy there. And yeah, it, it's it's going to be awkward. We're going to keep talking about it. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to where Sean wants to go. And I think that if you're trying to sell Sean a team, the Broncos make sense.
0: Yeah, and I mean... Denver's a uh, fancy enough. I think for Sean, you know, I, I would, I'd rather spend my time in, in a Denver than in cat in a Charlotte. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like if there's a team that, that I'm excited to go to, it's not sure. It's not, it's not the Panthers, but we'll, we'll see. Honestly too. I don't know how enticing of a city Arizona is either, you know, Phoenix.
1: Well, the fact is there's no LA market, you know, there's no Miami market, right? Like, He's just got to go live somewhere, and uh, well, I think that's what you're concerned about, right? Like, there's none of these are super attractive places to live. I mean, you know, maybe Denver, right? But like, you know, that's that's why he wanted L.A. partially, right? He he wanted to go live in in L.A. And so, if you're the Saints, you are a little concerned that maybe he's just like, you know, what this isn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like doing this, and then he goes back to broadcasting. But I will say that if you've watched these Fox pregame and halftime shows, he looks very out of place. He does not look like he's fitting in well in in that in that forum. Like it's
0: it's it's awkward. Appreciate Sean bashing the, the Atlanta Falcons on air at least saying they didn't make you know a, a playoff bash. But yeah, that was just compl- kind of out of left field. Even that was like, what are you doing? Like this is <laughs> the guy's talking. Like let
1: him talk. You don't talk over him. Like, cause I didn't even hear what he, under- I had to listen to it like four times because like, he was just like kind of talking over somebody else, which doesn't really make a ton of sense. He just, it doesn't look, it doesn't seem like it fits him. And, uh, so that's, I don't think he's enjoying it that much. Let's put it that way. Like, I don't think it has gone the way he had hoped, just like it didn't go the way Breeze hoped it would, right? Like,
0: you know, I still think Breeze kind of got hosed. I don't really think he was that bad. He was bad in the booth. It wasn't so terrible where I thought it was fireable after one year though. He didn't get fired quote-unquote fired right
1: no they just weren't going to give him a broadcast. like he 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 wanted to be a player like a color analyst right right but like he was terrible at it (laughs) he just wasn't good at it he was fine in this in studio i think if he was if if breeze was like you know what sure i'll come back and be in studio he'd still be employed by nbc Uh, but that's that's like he didn't he wanted to be sunday night football right like that's what it yeah. I think that that was the writing was on the wall that that's what he was going for. And I think it became pretty clear that that wasn't going to happen for him. If you want to go rewatch that Bengals Raiders playoff game.
0: You no, know, everyone says that and I, and I
1: haven't, but I, it's that bad, huh? It was bad. And like, not everyone has it. Like Tony Dungy and Al Michaels were a terrible duo as well. Like yeah. not like a lot of these playoff crews are, are rough, especially
0: the you know first what? round. I've actually enjoyed Greg Olson. I thought he's been pretty good. Right.
1: Right. Greg Olson's been good. Like Jason Witten was terrible. Yeah.
0: Booger was terrible.
1: Tony Kornheiser. Remember when he tried to do it, he was awful. Like it's not, it's not something everyone can do well. And I don't think Breeze did it particularly well. And that's why he's no longer doing it, but it's
0: nothing crazy. It's like, What, what, what do you know exactly? Remember what stood out as so awful in that playoff game that, you know, stood out for him? Well, you have to be interesting.
1: You have to be willing to criticize people and you have to be correct or at least accurate. And there was a point in that game where a whistle, an inadvertent whistle blew. Okay, yeah. And neither he, I, I think it was Tirico, neither neither one of them even acknowledged that it happened until like five minutes later, everyone was confused. And then like randomly it was like, oh, I, wait, I heard a whistle. And it was like so confusing. And it, it's just like, you got to be able to handle those and you got to be able to add clarity, not confusion. And it just wasn't a good look. He also did the Thanksgiving game with the Bills and the Saints. It just it just wasn't. It, I don't think it, it was a match for him. Let's let's put it that way. I guess that's probably the Homer in me that I just miss hearing Drew. I guess. Yeah, I like Drew. I enjoyed him on the and the in the segments. <laughs> I just don't think he was a he, the, the the color analyst
0: thing was working for him. Yeah, and obviously I never I never listened to the Notre Dame games he was doing either. Yeah,
1: but yeah, so I, I think you know for Sean. Like I said, he just looks uncomfortable and like he doesn't want to be there. So I think that's a good indicator that he's going to try to take a job this year. But we'll we'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, the the problem definitely is how enticing, how attractive, how alluring is Denver going to be? I I, I guess we'll look at it that way as the, as the number one right now. The number one option being the Broncos head coach. How how is the franchise? How is the team? How is the city viewed in his eyes? Because, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I think I could have a lot of fun in Denver. Like, to
1: me, the question is, does he think he can resuscitate Russell Wilson?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if, I, you, you, if he you, does. quote, unquote, have a quarterback there, right? Yeah, if he does,
1: if he feels like this year was an aberration and he can go there and, re, you know, revive what the, the Seattle Seahawks version of Russell Wilson, then it makes sense. If he doesn't feel that way, it doesn't right cuz he's not going there for a reclamation project to like draft a quarterback and develop a quarterback you're going there because you think you can win a title with Russell Wilson so to me that's the question with Denver if you're talking about Houston that's another story because you're going to have to draft a quarterback it's going to be a long term rebuild same yeah. with Carolina with Denver it's different and with with Arizona it's different because you feel like you have the franchise quarterback that to me that's the biggest question well he does he want to go and live in live in Carolina without that in place probably not Will he go live in Denver even if he doesn't like it that much? Thinking that maybe I can go get a ring—that's different. So to me, that's the equation. But we'll find out. I mean, I don't think he would have agreed to a second interview if he wasn't seriously considering it. So that's a good sign for the Saints. And uh, you're gonna just—I think you're gonna find out more in the coming weeks. I think the Saints are gonna want to have this wrapped up by the Senior Bowl because Mickey Loomis always talks, and he's not gonna want to have to go up there and talk about Sean again. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's gonna want to have it wrapped up by that point. So I I think
0: you know, you know early have-
1: February. I think we have about a week, week plus left in this in this uh ordeal and then we'll we'll have an idea. Yeah,
0: and then our attention starts turning to what will the Saints do with the picks that they got for Sean Payton. Yes, hopefully.
1: All right, let's course, let's wrap yeah. that up. We've we've gone through enough of that. And we'll come back and talk about why the Saints are absurdly dedicated to Pete Carmichael as the offensive coordinator because that'll be we're back here on inside black and gold and as we mentioned the saints love pete carmichael i'm pretty sure he might be the longest tenured offensive coordinator in nfl history like i cannot find an example of a coach staying on as an offensive coordinator not an assistant not a whatever like you'll find assistants that have been on the team forever but i'm talking about specifically in a coordinator role offense defense special teams i don't know if you can find one because like even like 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 jimmy johnson not jimmy johnson um Dick LeBeau was on the Steelers forever, but he had like two different stints. So it seems like it was 20 years, but it was really 10. But yeah, Pete Carmichael is going to go into his 15th season as a Saints offensive coordinator, as long assuming that, you know, they don't change their mind from what we have right now. He's going to be in that role, and uh, we're going to have to live with that. I'm Jeff Nowak, along with Steve Gellar. is Inside Black and Gold. And Steve, what was your reaction when you kind of saw, I think it was Mike Triplett who, who reported the news first, what was your reaction when you saw that? Because I think everyone had kind of resigned themselves to be like, oh, okay, it's going to be a firing and we're going to move on.
0: I guess I wasn't as surprised maybe just because the fact that, to me at least, the Saints are getting pretty high interest from the defensive coordinator ranks. And I'm thinking that there's there's no one come a-calling, let's be honest, for Pete Carmichael Jr. I don't even know if Sean Payton will. But I think it's just more of that continuity for this team that they want to stick around and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't great. It was not awful. So we're still left in that hole. Let's give it a, one more try with Carmichael at the helm here with Dennis.
1: Yeah. See, I don't think the defensive side of the ball had anything to do with it. I think this is a situation where it's like, okay, you, you dug your grave with these two guys and either you dig out of it with these two guys or you don't, but you're not going to throw someone else in that grave with, <laughs> <laughs> With Dennis <laughs> Allen, this is a weird analogy, but like I like I feel like that's what it is. It's like okay, you you made this, you made this situation together, and throwing someone else into that would almost be unfair to that person. So like you're gonna just try to figure it out. I think it is like a continuity thing in the sense that you know I think that there's a real scenario where Dennis Allen gets fired mid season because things go terribly wrong, but the Saints are banking on okay, things are going to get better and we're going to get more, we're going to get better luck from an injury perspective, but we keep saying that every year. So why would we think that you're going to get more consistent quarterback play early in the season? I don't know who from, but you're hoping you who get, get that quarterback. Right. And I also think that the young wide receivers helped Pete Carmichael keep his job because if these are the guys, if you know, the Chris Olave's and the Rashid Shaheed's are the guys that you're going to try to develop an offense with over the next decade. You don't want their first two years to be with different offensive coordinators. You want some continuity there. You want to be able, them to be able to grow. So yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to come down to whether they say fired or, or parts ways, right? I think I thought that's what I thought it was going to be like. that certain, and I'm still not convinced that they're going to stand pat Agreed. the way things are. I think that, and I think Bobby Aber brought this up, is like you can have an offensive coordinator that doesn't call the plays, and we know that because the Saints have had that forever you know like Pete Carmichael has been the Saints offensive coordinator for 15 years going on 15 years but the first 14 he was not the play caller he was in 2012 because Sean Payton was suspended and he was for a couple games here or there and he did in the preseason but by and large he was not the play caller and I think that one way you could shake things up without pulling the rug out from under anybody Is by saying, "Hey, Ronald, why don't you try calling the plays?" Or you know, maybe even I think I think Ross Jackson mentioned this is like maybe they love the co-defensive coordinator scenario so much that they'll promote Ronald Curry to the co-offensive coordinator, and maybe that helps solve the problem. But like I do think that a big issue was like in-game decision making and in-game adjustments, and I think that one way to help solve that is to take some of the in-game decision making off of Carmichael's plate so that he can look at be more cognizant of the bigger picture and see trends and, and, you know, spend more time looking at tablets. I think that's, that would be a way that I would be satisfied, but like, it is frustrating to see this team kind of just run it back after the frustration of this last season. There's no, I don't think there's any, any, any way around that.
0: I'm still wondering, you know, you were going down the road and I I don't know if you feel this way too that, I don't know if Pete is necessarily set as the offensive coordinator. What if in our dream scenario of worlds, bam, the Saints make that move and have traded for Lamar Jackson? Do you really think that Pete Carmichael Jr. is going to be Lamar Jackson's offensive coordinator? Uh, I don't know about that It's a good question, but at the same time, I
1: don't necessarily think that I have an issue with that. If anything, Pete, you could argue, is – better suited than m- many to run a Lamar Jackson system because, because he has, yeah. It, I mean, like it, it's, it's not like he's unfamiliar with the cut, co- like having to design concepts for a quarterback who, who wants to run like that. That's not what I would criticize of, of about Pete. Cause I think he's done that reasonably well. I just and really so that creativity this year. From oh me no, you, really you definitely did. It. You definitely did with, from the, with, from the running
0: position from Taysom Hill had 11 touchdowns as a whole, the offense for me, just, I don't know. It, it lacked a lot of that same p- pizzazz, I guess you would yeah, say. But not, not in
1: like, yeah, for like screenplays and shit like that. But like in the sense that he was designing an offense for a running quarterback, you got 11 touchdowns out of that guy. That's not where the creativity was lacking. So like, I, I'm not, I'm not concerned about that part of his offensive uh, repertoire in terms of designing game plans.
0: Well what's crazy too is everybody was left wanting more
1: of that guy. Yeah, right. So like that's not that's again, that's not the part of the offense that I'm overly critical of. That was some of the more exciting offense that you saw from the Saints this year. Like the creativity was lacking because you had to be more creative with Andy Dalton because he was so limited. Whereas like with with a Lamar Jackson, you're a lot of the offense is okay, we're setting this up. Either it works or you run. So, so like it's, 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 it's more about giving him opportunities to use his athleticism than necessarily designing situations where you're trying to make up for something like the, the, the athletic ability makes it a lot easier. Anyway, I, I don't think that that's something where you would be like, oh, we definitely have to change the offensive staff because of Lamar Jackson. And that's one of the reasons I think it makes sense to trade for Lamar Jackson. Would you bring in somebody as an assistant who's familiar with him? Probably. Right like I think you would adjust the staff like you'd have to kind of shift some of your maybe maybe you shift Cody Burns and you bring in another wide receivers coach something like that like but I, I don't know if I think Pete would actually make more sense with Lamar than he did with Andy I'm surprised to hear that actually I
0: I, I don't know for me uh, I just I don't gonna... want
1: to see Andy Dolan again
0: No I hear you and t- and I don't know with the the lack of excitement from the offense was that really how um, excited are I'm you going like, to get about an offense with Andy Dalton but look at all the rest of the weapons for me around you you can still and they just weren't used in the right way I, I don't know why things didn't work with Alvin Kamara more I don't know why things didn't I guess, I guess I can't say that with Jawan Johnson he had a heck of a heck of a year but uh you know taysom had a, a decent season obviously but there were still you know more instances down the stretch you wanted to see uh olave stretching the field. And Rashid Shahida as, as well, stretching the field more. And I understand they weren't pushing the ball as much with a guy like Dalton, but you could with Taysom at quarterback. The Saints had the second most 40-plus yard
1: plays in the NFL this season. Second most? And all of them were passes. I would never have guessed that for sure. They had 14 of them. Um, no, they didn't have a ton of 20-yard plays. Like, if you want to look at, like, 20 to 40, I don't think that they were up toward the top there, but they did have a lot of long... connections. I mean, you're talking 14. That's the problem with designing your offense around big plays is, you know, 14 was second in the NFL and you have 17 games. So you're talking, you just do the math there. That's less than one per game.
0: And you were up toward the top of the NFL in that metric. I just feel like the roster has got a lot of guys that are yak gods and they didn't really utilize that aspect this past season, at least. No, I agree with that.
1: But again, that's not, you know, yak isn't, isn't the Lamar Jackson system either. So, like, I think it's like if you want to get excited about an offense, you don't hand the keys to the 35 year old guy who at his peak wasn't exciting. Like, it's a very ho hum, like, he's going to run the offense, he's going to do it well, but it's like, you're not, it's not going to be a, a dynamic offense.
0: Then we go back into two. Yeah. Obviously, then why weren't we looking at Jameis Winston at all? But that's a whole nother conversation.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't think they wanted Jameis Winston, but either way, I don't think that would have moved the needle for you on offense. It's, I, I, I just think that this, this, this system this year didn't work, and that's why it's frustrating to see them stick with it. Now, one thing that did work was Rashid Shahid. He was not used enough early in the season, but he was later as the season went on. I think you were able to incorporate him more into the game plan. You know, one of the reasons that I think is difficult to utilize that guy as early was because he's not familiar with all of the things that he needs to do, right? He's learning on the fly. Um, he didn't have a full training camp. He didn't get any snaps in the preseason. So when you finally find out about him in week five, I'm sorry, week six, then you're like, well, what do we do now? Like we have to incorporate him. And so I think you saw throughout the course of the season that he got more familiar with schemes and the numbers that he was able to put up were very impressive. And so you look at like yards per reception that he's going to be under the floor of most of these stats because, you know, they're going to be set at like 50 targets, but he only had 34 because he wasn't used, uh, enough in the season. But so he had 34 targets, 28 catches, 488 yards, two touchdowns. Yards per reception was 17.4. That's number three in the NFL if you just put the floor at like 25 targets. Jalen Waddell was 18.1. Gabe Davis was 17.4. Yards per target, 14.4. That would be number one in the NFL. Jalen Waddell at 10.3. Darius Slayton at 10.2. Yards after catch per reception, that's Rashid at 6.3. That's number five in the NFL. Guys ahead of him, Debo Samuel, Rondell Moore, Jalen Waddle, Christian Watson. Yards per route run, fourth behind Tyreek Kill, LaVisca who I think the Saints single-handedly helped that stat for him. Uh, and Justin Jefferson, 2.62. Zero penalties committed. So, like, he didn't false start. He didn't get offensive pass interference. You know, he didn't do anything stupid. And then zero interceptions when targeted. The other thing, passer rating when targeted, 138.4. That's second in the NFL behind only... McCole Hardman and I think most of Pat Mahomes' receivers have a pretty good passer rating when targeted because he has a pretty good passer rating all the time. If you extrapolate his pace over 100 targets, which is not a crazy number, it's about six targets a game. If you play all 17 games, you're talking 82 catches, 1435 yards, six touchdowns. So, like one of the reasons that I think Pete Carmichael was able to save his job is that he was able to 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 build Rashid Shahid throughout the course of the season to, and then at the end, you're talking like five, six catches a game. He's running enough routes to be an impact. And so that's something you're going to try to build on. And the big play ability of this offense, despite being capped by the quarterback, I think, was still there. So I think those are some of the reasons that you, 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 you kept him around because you have to find reasons for optimism. Otherwise it doesn't make sense.
0: I, I know it's, it's real easy to be critical after this season. And th- there were obviously some games where he was pretty masterfully at calling things, but for, I would say for the most part, we were left more on the end of wanting. And I think that's that just shows you too, from the offensive production just wasn't up to par this season, what we used to expect from these saints. And it wasn't, was definitely nowhere near that the past, two years offensive productions did big time. And yeah, it's amazing what happens when you have a hall of fame quarterback retire. That's going to be, I think obviously the biggest key. I mean, what, what are we going to, what are they going to do? What are the saints going to have looking at them under center for next year? Are we really going to do this with Andy Dalton kind of thing as him, the quote unquote bridge quarterback. If you find that young guy in the draft, are you going to go somewhere else and find a free agent, maybe veteran, that's still young to try and you know blossom and lead this team <laughs> completely off track my my wife is sold on the 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 notion that Derek Carr is the answer here in New Orleans and I just I don't know if I can get on board with that
1: yeah to I me mean, Derek Carr and, and Andy Dalton are the same guy
0: like <laughs> well she says I, I mean, she points out the connection to Dennis Allen which makes me laugh too I'm like we you're gonna start she's gonna start doing the podcast for me I think I mean, they do know each other, right? Like Derek Carr was Dennis Allen's quarterback. <laughs> I gave her but, credit for that.
1: But like, that was not exactly a good times. A, a good experience <laughs> for, for DA. And I don't think he was, I think Dennis Allen drafted Derek Carr because when he got there, it was Terrell Pryor. So yeah, so he was the second round in 2014 and Dennis Allen was the head coach from 2012 to 2014. Yeah, so... So they only crossed paths for part of one season. It's not like you had a ton of, you know, infrastructure there where you were like, oh, well, they know each other so well. Like clearly they, there was a connection in the sense that DA thought that he was going to be the quarterback to help him survive, but that didn't happen. And Dennis Allen got fired
0: mid season. So. Well, that's, that's what my wife is clinging to as the hope and future for the saints. I mean, it's
1: not a terrible take. Like, they do know each other, right? There is familiarity there, and that's that's better than nothing. But I don't think that there's a ton of success linked to that. And I, I like, I just I feel like Derek Carr and and Andy Dalton are the are very much the same skill set and player. Like wrong side of thirty, doesn't have a cannon for an arm,
0: isn't that mobile? Yeah, it doesn't seem like Carr's been around that long, but you know. But- when you said that the During, wrong side yeah, of thirty, I mean, I'm like, damn, you're right. Years, he's already thirty-one.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, eight years, 2014 draft. Yeah, he's made the playoffs what once. no
0: name is Dallas. He's better than his yeah. brother. So that, that's that's going to be curious too. Does the market? Will the market look at Derek Carr as this as a franchise type of quarterback, or is he he's someone that you have like on the back burner, break in case of emergency kind of backup guy?
1: I don't know, but. He threw for 50 touchdowns his last year at Fresno State. That's pretty wild. 50 touchdowns in 13 games. It's good to have Devontae Adams. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. Right. I guess I had him in, in Vegas and it didn't... I mean, they, he, Devontae had a decent season. When he stopped pushing photographers. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's all I got. I just... Oh,
0: I just want them to do something. Well, we we got a while for them to do anything. Like we said, that first domino will definitely be... Peyton getting dealt will at least get the compensation back, so we know what the Saints get to play with, come the NFL draft. And you know what? I, I, there might be some picks, obviously, that aren't even this year that spill over into the twenty twenty four draft. Yeah, and I, I and I I don't
1: think that this team's going to draft a quarterback. If they were going to draft a quarterback, they would draft it like Desmond Ritter or Kenny Pickett last year. I think they're going to sign somebody. Like if if you were gonna if you were gonna draft a quarterback. You would have done it when Sean Payton was here. Like, you're not going to draft a quarterback and say, okay, Dennis, mold him. Or Pete. Right. Well, that's why. He hasn't done it in 15 years. Why would he do it now? Well,
0: Ian Book was stolen away from us.
1: No, they cut Ian Book. (laughs) (laughs) If they wanted Ian Book, they could have not cut him.
0: Um, I just think that's funny. It's like, you know, yeah, the Sean Payton, the quarterback whisperer, doesn't have a really good history of drafting any guy anybody that's the thing like i, I yeah everyone tells Gary me Grayson. that Sean
1: payton is this fantastic quarterback evaluator and 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 developer and maybe he is but there's no evidence to support that like none like did drew Brees get significantly better over the time that he was here because of sean payton or was he kind of programmed and then like yeah they they kind of peaked together like yeah if the Saints drafted Drew Brees and developed Drew Brees, that would be one thing. They didn't. All the quarterbacks they drafted, you know, have done nothing. I mean, like you could even you could look at like the Patriots and say, well, yeah, Garoppolo has been has been a competent starter. Jacoby Brissett has been a competent starter. Matt Castle was good enough that one team, at least one team was like, Yeah, you should start for us. He was a yeah. backup for a long time. Like the Saints don't have that. Chase Daniel is the probably their most accomplished quarterback alumni that is not Drew Brees, maybe Teddy, but again, another quarterback that they did not draft or develop. Right. I was going to say, they didn't draft him. Taysom is probably the the closest thing you could have to like a quarterback they develop. He's not even a quarterback anymore. So like, like is, at least that's what they'll tell you. So like, I'm not convinced. And then we're talking about him getting traded to a team and it's like, oh yeah, yeah. He wants to go coach Russell Wilson. He wants to go coach Justin Herbert, right? Like I'm not convinced that, that he's going to draft a guy I don't know. Like that is always the weird thing to me when people are giving Sean Payton accolades. I think that Sean Payton is a great coach and a great game plan guy and a great play caller and a great offensive wizard, but I'm not convinced that he is a quarterback whisperer.
0: Like everyone says he is. No, we, we went what Garrett grace in the third round. I think that was a third round draft pick, right? Yes. And yeah, there, yeah. there was Jim book, was nothing right? there.
1: Jameis for like seven games, right? Like he, he looked okay. He didn't look great, but he didn't look bad. He didn't throw any interceptions, which is, you know, great. He got it to a 5-2 record. So I guess that might be one that you look at and you're like, okay, I'll give him credit for that. But I mean, he was the number one overall pick. So it's not like he came in without any skills. I just, I, I, I've i never understood why he gets that quarterback whisperer. Like, give that to Kyle Shanahan, right? Like, this guy literally can take any quarterback and bring him to a Super Bowl. him in there, right? Like, meanwhile, do we think that Sean did an excellent job with Trevor Simeon, right? Like... With Luke McCown, like this star, I I don't know. It's a strange thing to me.
0: Luke McCown, uh, though, like rode that backup quarterback gig into a fantastic commercial with Verizon, like being like something like being on backup or reserve and always being ready to go kind of thing. I thought that was masterful on that end of it. But yeah, I, that was one thing with the Saints too. You know, with both quarterbacks of the offense, and then both on quarterback of the defense. I haven't seen the team develop many linebackers. That was always an I'm, No, it's a
1: position they don't they don't necessarily draft, but they I mean they developed Cade Ellis. Yeah, that's um, Right, this was
0: a little different. Dish. I I don't I don't know. I had always thought of that. It was like they always had a problem when they had drafted linebackers having success developing them, um whereas their their acquisition of them on the open market or via trade was a lot better. But if they they have they have that target out on the free agent market at quarterback, who's it going to be? Who who's really going to be over? That's going to improve this year's situation from from what we saw production wise. And I think the most important thing is obviously points on the board, getting into the reds in the end zone. I told you already. I don't need to tell you again. Lamar, but that he's not like um. You have to make a a serious trade for him. I'm I'm just thinking like what veteran could be available as a, a quote unquote free agent, and it's it's not really exciting. You know, it's not, that's why it's like kind of weighing it back and forth. Are you going with that quarterback of the future in the draft or are you just going with that vet that can ho-hum kind of get the job done for you? No, I think they're going to go, go find somebody. That's what this team does, but they're
1: in a similar scenario to the, to the Broncos, right? Like, the Broncos make sense to hire Sean Payton because they've already established the fact that that they're in win now mode, and you can't suddenly say, "Okay, yeah, we're 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 not willing to go all in now, even though we were willing to go all in last year." Yeah. The Saints are in a similar scenario, right? Like if you're not willing to tear things down, if you're not willing to trade off assets and try to collect, um, you know, future picks, right? At least not in ways that make sense, like C.J. Gardner Johnson. Was not that like that. That was not the reason that you traded CJ Gardner Johnson. That was just a, that was just poor planning on the Saints part.
0: That was kind of amusing from the television playoff broadcast who yeah. essentially ripped the Saints on that one. They're
1: catching strays on a game they're not even, you know, playing in. But yeah, and, and so like if you're going to do that, then you have to be willing to go all in. And that's why I went on that long rant about Lamar Jackson, because that's going all into me. Like you could trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. You could have this really boring offense. I guess maybe you could sign. I think Jimmy's a free agent. Like maybe Jimmy's the guy, but again, it's like, do you want to be have a dynamic quarterback or do you want to have Andy Dalton? Right.
0: Well, I kind of brought this up too. I think on one of the our episodes that even if you do get Garoppolo, you might still need Andy Dalton because Garoppolo can't make the whole season. He's got a broken foot. Right. <laughs> so it's
1: not like he's going to, he's going to be a guy you can necessarily depend on. So for uh, full
0: circle, you come back to Andy.
1: Yeah, Andy's healthy. They give him that. Never gets hurt. That's true. All right. I think that's it. I, I think my tone can convey how little excitement I have for the Saints' offense. Hopefully, that changes. Gosh, I hope. so yeah. All right. Let's loop back around. This is inside Black and Gold. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already, and we're gonna come back and go through the list of all the Louisiana adjacent players in the NFC and AFC championship. There are a lot of them. A lot of them, they're not all former Saints or LSU players. All right, stick around for that. And we're back. And the NFC and AFC Championship Edition of Inside Black and Gold I really got depressed watching the Giants play, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. But we can talk about the Bengals because that's the team I'm rooting for now. I I did tell you that Joe Burrow just locks in in these games, and that's exactly what happened. He went out to Buffalo in a snowstorm, and he he, he looked like he was just throwing passes in the backyard, like it, it never 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 once got phased in that game. It's remarkable.
0: No, truly amazing to watch that how they came out and really dictated everything from the start of that game to finish. Um, And and then the post-game interview on the field with Joe, as the snow was coming down, I'm like, it was like, so picture, picture perfect and everything. The Bengals had their all white uniforms on. So it looked good, obviously pulling for them in the AFC. And it's going to be interesting to see now, obviously what happens with the banged up Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah. Dealing with that ankle sprain. No, but like, like Joe
0: Burrow, yeah, Like it's not even a talent thing for him. Like I thought you were going to say like the whole attitude and just the swagger, the way he carries himself. He's just, he's just like that total dude.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like, it's not a talent thing. It, like if if you're going by pure talent, Josh Allen is the more talented quarterback. He's got, he's got a better arm. He's got the, he's got the size. He's got the speed, but Joe is just Joe. Like it's the same reason Tom Brady has been so successful in that, it's like he never loses confidence in anything. He is 100% all the time. And he really comes out in these games. It's just locked in. And it was what you saw in 2019 at LSU, right? Like you never felt for a second, like he didn't feel like he was going to win a game. And in these moments, in these in these playoff games, it's just different. And so that's a good segue into, you know, there's a lot of LSU players. There's a lot of Louisiana college players. And there's a lot of Saints players on these AFC and NFC Championship rosters. And so this is going to be more of like a quiz bowl segment. So obviously you have Joe Burrow. There are four more LSU players on AFC and NFC Championship rosters. They're not all going to play, but they are there.
0: Can you name them? Definitely for LSU, you got a guy at wide receiver that Joe's thrown to and uh, Jamar Chase. Mm -hmm. That's the easy one. Yeah, that was definitely easy. He scored first touchdown for the Bengals, doing the gritty in the snow. Yeah. Um, loved all that. Leo Collins, I know, is over there in Cincinnati. Yeah, he's on the Bengals. I think he's on IR, but he is on the Bengals. That's one of them. Vom Bell's another name. That's a, well, that, are we just doing LSU players?
1: Just LSU right now. There's five of them. You got three. Uh, five LSU players. Let me see.
0: What else am I thinking of from Cincinnati? There's no, the
1: ones 49ers, ones Chiefs.
0: Oh, other teams too. I, I got you. I'm trying. I'm just trying to think of the Bengals. I, I know um, the running back over at San Fran, Ty Davis Price. Yeah, he's he's um, in San Fran. He's not going to play, but yes, right. And I guess you could say uh, I get does what's his name count? Clyde edwards hilaire over at Kansas yep, that's City. Not really. One. Clyde
1: Edwards-Helaire, another guy on IR. So there are five LSU players on these rosters. Only two of them are going to play. Huh. In that, like. Uh, Lyle Collins is on IR, Clyde is on IR, and then Ty Davis-Price is buried behind Eli Mitchell, who is one of the Louisiana players. Yes, that's to, true, right. Uh, ULL. And then third down back, Christian McCaffrey. Um, <laughs> not one of the Louisiana players, but like I had a I had a prop with him who was over 50 yards rushing. And I was like, oh, he'll definitely get over 50 yards rushing. And I was like, oh, wait, I forgot. He's the third down back. Like, what? <laughs> that team, what a luxury.
0: Yeah, I, I, that whole deal, it's one of those, it's like, wait a minute, how did how did the NFL let the, the Niners get a hold of McCaffrey? But, yeah, it is what it is. Because they traded for him.
1: But, yeah, so Eli Mitchell is one of those. There's four other Louisiana-adjacent players that I identified, and that's Eli Mitchell, obviously, Louisiana Lafayette, Lajarius Sneed, who I, think, he, I don't think he went to college in Louisiana, but he's from Louisiana. Uh, he's on the Chiefs. Cam Sample, who is a defensive lineman who went to Tulane. And then Trent Taylor, who is also on the Bengals. Cam Sample's on the Bengals as well. Trent Taylor is Louisiana Tech. He's on the Bengals. So that's the four that I could come up with that were just Louisiana guys. But I'm, I'm sure there's more. I was going to say, how did you forget that, Boston Scott? Well, yeah, but he's he's on the next list. Oh, okay. I thought we were doing all, all teams right now. No, we're doing the non-Saints.
0: Well, he's a Louisiana tech guy too, so that's why I kinda Yeah, but I'm, he's he's on a
1: different list, Steve. I got you. Yes. So the next list, as you have you have teased, <laughs> former Saints <laughs> players. There are 13. There are thirteen players on NFC and AFC championship rosters who at the very least got a cup of coffee with the Saints. Okay. some of them you would never be able to name because they were on the roster for like five minutes. Right. Right, So I'm going to give you these are free spaces in bingo. T.Y. McGill, he's on the 49ers. He spent like five days with the Saints back in like 2019. Joe Bocce, he's a linebacker for the Bengals. He was on the Saints practice squad in 2020. Austin Ryder, he was an offensive lineman. He was on the Saints last year. Those are the only free spaces I'm going to give you. And let's see how many of them you
0: can name. All right, definitely go into Cincinnati. Trey Hendrickson, Von Bell, come to mind. Yep. Trying to think of any more on Cincinnati. There's one.
1: Hmm. You get this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and it's it's not getting there. I know they have a they have a Michael Thomas, but not our Michael Thomas. It's not. they have two Michael Thomases, but neither of them are the right one. So the three you named are the the ones people are fans of. This is one that people are not so much fans of. I remember now you had mentioned them beforehand. We were talking about stuff in our pre, pre-show chatter, uh, Camp Sample from Tulane no. also on, on the Bengals. No, he's from Tulane, and he never played for the Saints. I thought Camp Sample was on the Saints for a second. No? No. Well, I'm, I'm totally better by the now.
1: It's Eli Apple. How could you, how oh, could you possibly man. forget Eli Apple? Oh, <laughs> man.
0: I forgot about the garbage. <laughs> the worst. All right, Continue. Philadelphia, they have C.J. Gardner-Johnson. You got a guy, Boston Scott. They used to have Malcolm Jenkins, but that's been a while. Uh, I'm trying to think of another significant name in Philly. Oh, that was another one we mentioned uh, that – what's his name's brother is on the Eagles? Cade Ellis's brother, but that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Kind of a relation. Christian Ellis. Oh, and then you said to um, Kevin White's brother too.
1: Is your white, but he's also he doesn't count. I don't know why your
0: name and family lineage is here. Um, um I can't think of anyone else from Philly that was a former saint. He's Ian um, Book, man. Ian Book. Oh gosh, how can I forget good old Ian? There's also one more, Cameron Tom.
1: That was one I considered giving you as a free space. Uh um, no, he was he's pretty he was pretty established, I would say, as a Saint. he was around while. for multiple seasons. That's the yeah. only reason, like Joe Bocci was here for what like half of a season on the practice squad. T.Y. McGill, same way. Austin Ryder, same way. But Cam Tom was multiple seasons. So that's why I, I made you.
0: I made you try to get it. All right. There's two more. Yeah, I can't I think, think of anybody on the the Chiefs honestly that was a former Saint.
1: Oh wait, there is. There's a three more. Sorry, one of them is on the Chiefs.
0: I don't know. Hit me with them so we can do this.
1: Michael Burton. Oh, uh, the fullback. Yes. 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 Good old Michael Burton, who I actually appreciated. I thought he was a very underrated player. I was disappointed to see him go. But this is a team that doesn't really use fullbacks, and Adam Prentice was solid, so I can't complain. There are two more and they're both on the 49ers.
0: Uh now I remember just because you were talking about practice squad guys, yep. who you wouldn't think are practice squad guys, though. So but you wouldn't even realize we're still in the league. Yeah, amen to that. Cornered Janoris Jack Rabbit Jenkins and Willie Curly Hair Sneed.
1: Yes. Janoris Jenkins and Willie Sneed are both on the 49ers practice squad. Which and doing nothing I'm, right now. It is kind of funny. And that's it's it's something that happened in the NFL this season with the ability to elevate players and blah blah blah. And so you can have so many veteran players. And so that's why I like like these guys would be not on a roster otherwise. So that's why they're on the 49ers practice squad. But they, you know, like Norris Jenkins was in uniform. He was he was active for that game yesterday. I saw him on the sideline and I was like, "I know that guy." So it's kind of, you know, they'll get a ring. So hey, you know, if you're if you're ring chasing, that's not a bad way to do it. Just sign on the practice squad of the team you think is going to win.
0: No, it's funny. The only Super Bowl in my life that I got to cover so far was the Niners and Ravens at the, you know, the Superdome, obviously. And that was just, I really covered media day. And Randy Moss on the San Francisco 49ers. But heck, I'll take it. But yeah, so there's a lot of, a lot of Saints adjacent players
1: on these rosters. The the one that really gets me is Boston Scott. Like I, <laughs> I get it. I get it. There wasn't a roster spot for him, man. As, as someone who watches a lot of Eagles Giants games, uh, <laughs> that is a frustrating
0: one because he's good not, and it's not even so much his career with Philadelphia's been okay, but his career against the Giants has just been lights out if he only
1: played the Giants <laughs> he would be a Hall of Famer. He's got 11 touchdowns in nine games against the Giants. like there was a there was a joke that it was like like Boston Scott anytime touchdown score was like a free bet because it's like always gonna score. Wow um
0: and he did. he got a touchdown. It's almost like a troll job at this point. That's what it but felt yeah. like in that game too, for sure. It's like, all right, the Eagles. I think that was the third touchdown of the game, and it was like, all right, we're we're stamp putting our stamp on this right here. Boston yeah. Scott got the touchdown. We got this.
1: But yeah, like I'm not mad about Von Bell, although like I would have liked to see him stay uh, around. I, I don't care about one. Eli Apple. I like Trey Henderson. People get mad about Trey Henderson. It's like he was gonna he was gonna go. Like you weren't paying him what the Bengals paid him.
0: No, they for couldn't. sure. I'm definitely more mad about the Von Bell one, just because. To me, at least, I even saw what kind of leader in the locker room the guy was. He was someone that was so adept at forcing fumbles, getting those takeaways. I definitely didn't agree with him. Let let him part ways. I understand you got Malcolm Jenkins that year as a free agent, so it was kind of a, you know, a, an even trade off, if you would say. Yeah, it's very much like you know, they want
1: they want safeties, they want either veterans or rookie deals. They don't want any of those second contracts really for safeties. Don't. And I understand it. I, at least at least they get the plan for it. And so that's why I'm not mad about him. I'm not mad about CJ in the sense that he's no longer on the roster. I'm mad that they didn't get anything for him. <laughs> right. Like if you're gonna trade him, you should at least get a return. And, and what's then,
0: amazing though, the Eagles still
1: haven't signed him into a long term deal. No, that's the thing, right? Like he, he didn't get a contract there either. So like no. he's gonna be a free agent. It's um, but he did lead league interception, so he'll get paid. Exactly. Um, Best slot corner in the NFL. Especially if he wins a Super Bowl. But yeah, but then like but like Boston Scott, it's like he makes perfect sense to be on the Saints, but he's not on the Saints. And they had him, they drafted him, and they didn't keep him. So that's the one that bugs
0: me. But hey, we'll we'll get through it. Yeah, and he's he's managed to stick around in Philadelphia. They won't let him go you know not they've seen had every the opportunity to keep him around
1: He's just a good for player. The anyway. game yeah they keep him around just to troll the Giants at this point but alright that's going to wrap it up for us here on this episode of Inside Black and Gold thanks everyone who's keeping up with us in the offseason we'll be back on Thursday with another episode make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and uh, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noak It's Steve up at Steve Geller WWL let us know what you think let us know what you want to hear We'll love any ideas you suggest, and we'll definitely do them because we're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel here, and I don't want to just talk about Sean Payton every episode. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, hopefully, like I said, let's get that resolved quick too because, yeah, I, I, leading off every episode, with that's going to be a little uh, mind-numbing, and I'm sure fans don't want to hear that either, but it really is the hot-button topic everywhere. Yep,
1: So you got to talk about. All right, y'all. Peace.
0: Peace.